Welcome to week two of our series, Under Pressure. They cut the m- music off, but, but um, I had some moves. I, I had some moves. I just want you to know. Uh, this is week two, and we're talking about this morning, the pressures off of having to get what I want. Now, now what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that life can sometimes feel like a roller coaster, right? You have your highs and you have your lows. Okay, those are the moves. It doesn't get better than that. Um, and you never know what is coming next. And it all seems to depend on how you and I think and feel that our life is working. Now, sometimes, sometimes, right, it feels like life is really working. Like, firing on all cylinders, you're getting an A. Okay, for those of you who are like me, that's a grade that we never see, but but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You're getting an A. Maybe your team just won the conference championship. Work is going well. You're feeling successful. Your studies are going well. Whatever that is for you. Social life, love life. You are on fire. You know what I'm saying? It is going well. Your marriage is happy. Your kids are thriving. Your money situation, it's good. It's good. You have, you have money left at the end of the month. Your health is strong. And so you feel like life is going well and you have some measure of joy, of happiness, of peace. Why? Because things seem to be going well. You're on high. But sometimes, right, that roller coaster, without warning, will dip low. And what does this look like? What does this look like? Well, it doesn't look like peace and happiness and joy. It looks like uh, discouragement and frustration and despair. Um, Why? Why would this happen? Well, maybe you're getting an F, right? Or, for some of you smart people, an A-. minus. Okay, look, if you're one of those smart people that gets really frustrated over an A minus, just a little mini confession. The rest of us hated you in school, okay? We love you now, but then just come and clean. Maybe your team can't buy a win. Maybe your work is soul deadening, or maybe your job is in jeopardy. Maybe financially you are under a mountain of debt. Socially, love life, that's non-existent. It's you and the TV watching stuff you don't even care about. Maybe um, your kids, if you're a parent, are getting into trouble. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you just found out that that suspicious lump that you discovered is cancer. That's low. But maybe it doesn't take that much to get you low. It could be other stuff. It could be much lighter stuff like somebody looks at you wrong. Right? Sometimes that'll ruin a whole day, right? Or that new Facebook profile pic you posted didn't get as many likes as that other person's, and they're nowhere near as cool and good looking as you are. That's enough. Or McDonald's at the drive thru forgot to put in your large fries, but you didn't check the bag until you got home. Or the internet in Gunnison is down because it's raining. <laughs> or you lose your phone. Or who knows? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter whether it's big stuff, small stuff. Sometimes we get down and we feel discouraged and frustrated and in despair. Why? Because things do not seem to be working. Life doesn't seem to be working. At least not the way I want. 
Now, is there a better way than riding the roller coaster of whether or not life is working for you, whether or not we are working hard enough to get things to line up the way we want them to line up? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Because here's what you and I do. We work really, really hard to keep those good things coming, right? Keep happening. Keep happening. More and more of that. And we work really hard to hold back those, those low times, those bad things, and keep them from happening. And hey, listen to me. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are going to experience both. And there's a lot of pressure to keep everything firing on all cylinders, isn't there? What if there was a way to get what you want all the time? That's what we're talking about this morning. And I'd like us to press into um, this story. Just listen closely and read along with me, if you would, to yourselves. Um, It was written by Alistair MacLean, who's a kind of a thriller writer of old. And and I think you'll, uh, you'll find this fascinating. One day... The German mystic Johann Thaler met a beggar and he said this, God give you a good day, my friend. And he said, the beggar answered, I thank God that I've never had a bad one. Then Thaler said, God give you a happy life, my friend. I thank God, said the beggar, I'm never unhappy. Thaler then said in amazement, what do you mean? Well, said the beggar, when it's fine outside, I thank God. When it rains, I thank God. When I have plenty, I thank God. When I'm hungry, I thank God. And since God's will is my will, whatever pleases him pleases me, why should I say I'm unhappy when I'm not? Taller looked at the man in astonishment and said, Who are you? I'm a king, he answered. Where then is your kingdom? Asked Taller. And the beggar replied quietly, It's in my heart in my heart. Now the beggar had none of the things that I want. None, none of the things that anybody wants. But he had everything that everybody wants. Right? He had, the, he had the joy. He had the peace. He had the happiness. He had the comfort regardless of his circumstances. So it's important that I point out that this is a, this is a work of fiction. Right? This did not happen. Alistair McLean wrote fiction. Here's the question though. Is the claim of this story, is the claim of this story true? Could, could this actually happen to a person? Here, here's, the, here's the question. Take a look at this. This is what we're pressing into today. Can you be guaranteed to get what you want regardless of your life circumstances, regardless of whether the roller coaster is up here or down here, to get what you want? Because if you can, if that can happen to a person, more to the point, if that can happen to you, if that can happen to me, then, then, then as a thinking person, um, you and I would be crazy not to spend everything we have to, to get that. Because if we get that, your life would be indestructible, bulletproof, um, unshakable. Right? Right? Can, can you imagine regardless of the circumstances? Regardless. But if this is not true, if that is just a fairy tale then I submit to you that it's one of the cruelest types of fairy tales in the world because it causes us to long for and yearn for and hunger for something that you and I 
can never have. So what's the answer? Can you be guaranteed to get what you want regardless of our life circumstances? Well, 3,000 years ago, King David answered this question um, with, and it's just stunning. It really is. This is the key to always getting what you want. And it is awesome. Here it is. It comes from Psalm 37, verse 4. Will you read it with me? Just read it out loud. It's really easy. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. David, here's what David says. David says, yes, that thing you were hoping exists. It does. It does. And it's for you. It's for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to make God um, your delight, your, your greatest love, your, your first, um, your heart's desire. And, and then guess what? He will give you the desires of your heart. It's saying circular, but it's not. It's not. You do this and you will have unshakable, indestructible, bulletproof love. Joy, peace, regardless of your circumstances, no matter what is happening to you, you and I can have what we really want if we make what we really want a deeper, deeper relationship with God. Now, um, obviously, this is a heart thing, so we would need a heart change. Um, anybody out there tried to change their heart by themselves? Just me, just, just me. Yeah, how's that working out? Yeah, not so good, not, not so good. Right, right, uh, you know, we've got a couple of liars out there going, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but that's okay, because there is a heart changer. Like, that's the Holy Spirit's job description, to come on and move in, the Spirit of Jesus to come in and, and rearrange our, our heart, to change our heart. So if he would do this and, and let us, look, this is not dry obedience. This is not what I'm, ecstasy, delight yourself. You know, you know, I can't, I can't make myself love something I don't love. I can't make myself get charged up about something I don't get excited about. He said that the Holy Spirit can so make your heart delight, exalt, rejoice, um, be ecstatic. Um, muffle your kids. Orgasmic. All right? No, no, no. I'm serious. That is just a shadow. That is, that is a shadow of what God wants your heart to do when he has invaded. You commune with the God of the universe. Whew. If you're not feeling that, check your pulse, man. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, so some of you are thinking, okay, a lot of carrying on. You raised your voice. You jumped around. Is that all you got, Tom? Like, I came, I set my clock, I walked out in the rain, I came here. That's all you got. Make Jesus the desire of your heart, and, and you'll always have your heart's desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, right? That's all you got. I, I need to want Jesus more than anything. What if, what good does this do me if I want something else? It's a valid question. It's a valid question. In fact, it's one that uh, the nation of Israel asked. And, and God answered them. He answers us in Jeremiah uh, chapter 2. Now I'm going to pick it up in verse 12. Okay. God is saying this. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Okay. Here's what God the Father is saying. He's saying, hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, angels, 
uh, universe, uh, planets. Get, get over here. Take, take a look at this. This is going to sicken you. This is going to break your heart, but you, you need to see this. What is this? Okay, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay, so what does all this mean? That means God is, is, is heartbroken, astounded. All heaven is like a ghast. Looking at people committing two evils. Number one, they, God is saying they want something else more than they want me, the ultimate everything. And number two, they're digging for themselves wells. Like I am the fountain of living water. I am oceans, right? And they're, they're digging wells to try to find water somewhere else. How, how crazy is this? How, how insane. And, and just so that us church people don't like kind of get all lofty thinking, yes, it's those people. He must be taught. Um, check out the first words of verse 13. For mm, mm, my people. For my people. The people, you and me, who claim to believe they are, he's saying, look, it's crazy. I'm the fountain of living water. And, and they're getting shovels, right? And they're going and digging wells. And they're praying to me to ask them where to, to show them where to dig and how long to dig. And they're praying that their arms wouldn't give out before they get to water. I'm water! I'm what they want. And I've provided myself in great measure, more than they could ever want, flooding their hearts and they turn away. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why would we do it? How do we do it? Well, you and I are are prone to this, right? We do it anytime we want things more than we want Jesus, more than we want a connection with him. We want um, good things, good things. We want success. We want to reach our potential. We want to do great things. We want to have great loves. We want to have health. We want to have safety. We want to be ripped. You look at me, you want that. Of course you do. We want to have uh, security. We want to have comfort. We want to have thrills. We want to have love of somebody else. Um, we want to have sex. We want to have... Um, Money, we want to have acceptance. We want a thinner body. We want you fill in the blank. You want better kids. Are any of these things bad? No, no. They were all created for for good. They were all created for good, but none of them is Jesus. And if you and I want them more than Jesus, then we... You will go through your life and you will accumulate them or not. And that is all depending upon how well you play the game, right? How well you and I manipulate circumstances to to get what we want, to get all of those things, none of which are bad, 
But they are not ultimate. So regardless of what we find, regardless of what we earn, regardless of what we, we the, the life that we can build, we will not have love. We will not have uh, peace. We will not have assurance. We will not have um, the joy, the satisfaction that we were created to have because we will not have Jesus and only he satisfies. Will he lead us into some of those other things? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Look, I have to tell you the truth about that because a lot of people who take Jesus um, as the ticket to the good life, which he is, but it's not this one, right? The secret of, they walk away when life doesn't seem to be working because apparently he's not doing a good enough job. When he's saying, regardless of what I lead you into, I'm going to be your everything. And you're going to have a joy unspeakable. You're going to have peace that passes understanding when you're winning, when you're losing, when you're, when you're up, when you're done. You, you can have it. You can have it. And we're going to look at that a little bit. But um, look, somebody said it much better than I. That, that shocks absolutely nobody. St. Augustine, take a look. He said, God, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. No matter how many loves, no matter how much money, no matter how many experiences, no matter how, what he's saying is, God has mercifully not made anything else truly, deeply, ultimately satisfying. Not to punish us, but so that we would not settle for lesser pleasures, lesser joys than knowing him. Here's the question for you and me. Is your heart restless? If so, that's not bad news. That's good news because it need not be. The worst thing is for you and I to have a restless heart and, ha- and to be so anesthetized by other garbage, other secondary things that we don't even recognize it so we don't run home and we don't get a drink of what we really need, what we really crave. And Jesus was saying this too. He, he rolled on this too. In John 7, you're going you're gonna to love this. Um, there's a feast, okay? We're picking it up at verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, this is the feast of booths, uh, Jewish feast of tabernacles. What this was, was the Jewish nation's Thanksgiving celebration, but not like we do it. We do it like on one Thursday, one meal. They were rolling like over the top. This is eight days Eight days of Thanksgiving where they're celebrating God being faithful and leading them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And so they're camping out for eight days. Now, um, I want you to picture people who have had more rejoicing, more food, more drink than they could ever imagine. You and I, like... um, on the eighth day of the Thanksgiving feast, uh, I'm walking around in sweats and a bathrobe. Okay, because none, none of my clothes fit. I can't even get an arm, a leg, nothing. Like I do that after one meal. Eight days. After everybody has had their fill, Jesus stands up and, and shouts. Cried out. If anyone thirst, hello, We've been drinking for eight days. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of 
his heart will flow rivers of living water. For everybody who has had your fill of everything else and is still not satisfied, you're still hungry, you're still thirsty for something that food and drink and experiences can never provide. I am it. Guess what? It's me. Come, eat, drink. I will give you rest. I will give you refreshment. I will give you nourishing. Better than that. I am going to move in through my Holy Spirit and I am going to put rivers of living water flowing from me through you so you'll never be thirsty and you will have oceans left over to pour into people who are thirsty all around you. Family, friends, People you don't know. You're just going to have extra. And you'll be sloshing around, pouring into other people every time you turn around. That's what he's saying. Centuries before this, he was fulfilling a prophecy that came centuries before this. The Isaiah, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 55. Isaiah is channeling exactly, literally, um, the voice of God, the heart of God for us when he wrote this in the beginning of the 55th chapter. It's pleading. God is God pleading with us, right? Get this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, no problem. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in the rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And Jesus is saying, this. He was saying this. He says that that pure, clear, cold, crisp water, that life-giving life water, that that's that's that. Now there's pure, whole, good milk. There is like select expensive Kobe beef. There is um, pricey vintage wine. And, 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 and all of this just symbolizes everything that, that you and I want um, to make our lives better, right? It's just literally this. And, and here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He says, guess what? It's me. It's me. It's that other stuff. It's good. And that's why I use it as an example. And it refreshes you. But just for a moment, it's just a shadow of what, what deep refreshing, deep nourishment, deep satisfaction, deep delight of the meal that doesn't end, of the drink that never runs dry, of the love that never walks out on you, regardless of where the roller coaster is. It's me, but you have to come. You have to come. And the guarantee is this, if you make my, your delight in me, if you delight yourself in me, I will always give you your heart's desire, which is me, which is me. So um, David said this, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. So before we leave, we we need to get down to reality like you and I do in life. And some of you are rightly thinking, get real, Tom. Like I know you, like the only thing that you want is Jesus. 
Really? No. No, that's not true of me. But by his grace, I'm getting closer. And and to start out, you, you and I don't have to only want Jesus. We just have to want him more than we want anything else. So, so yes, honestly, I want a marriage to Cherie that redefines what a man and a woman can experience in Christ and, and do and love. I want that. I want kids that find their joy and their purpose in Jesus and, and don't get face tattoos of unicorns because I hate unicorns. And I'll uh, always call home for money. Um, I want a church that reaches the hurting and the discouraged in Gunnison and at Western and makes God smile and occasionally laugh. Uh, I want to be successful at my full-time job of raising money for Western students. I do. I do. And someday, I, well, I hope, I, I want enough money to meet my family's needs and to be able to give generously and, and spoil my wife rotten. Just spoil her. I do. Um, so that she will know how lavishly God loves her. Um, maybe that's not the only way that I can show her that. It's not. But I, I do desire to spoil her. Um, I hope one day to be um, the funner of the two grandfathers that my future... Well, no, I don't know, you know. I don't know who the other one would be, but I, you know, I want to... I want to be a grandpa, not before my daughter gets married. So don't, don't make, yeah, thanks. Um, I want all of that. I do. And here's the other thing. I will work as hard as I can. And I will pray that those things happen. And all of those things are good things. Just as some of the things, and maybe, maybe all of the things that you want, but here's where I get into trouble. Sometimes, sometimes I will want those things so much that I will find myself going to Jesus more often and more passionately to, to get him, to enlist him, to help me get those things. Then I will go to him because I want him. Because I want those things more than I want him. And when I do that, you would not know the difference at looking at my outsides. But here's what I've done. If you've done it too, maybe. I've just found a Christian way to live for myself. I've just found a way to work the system. Like I'm putting one over on God who says all I want is for you to want me. Because that's what I made you for. That's what I'm going to pour into you. And when I do that, then I can use you to do things you're not smart enough to even dream. And if all of that happens, or if none of that happens, you have me, and I have you, and you will be over the top, joyful and peaceful, because the life of your dreams 
you get a taste of it now. It's the next one. But the sweetest part of the next one, I'm willing to give you now, which is walking with me closer than any two people could ever be. I will be closer to you than your next breath, loving you. It's a crazy, crazy part. Like people who don't know Jesus, and I'm not slamming them. They just, they just don't, they're not in a relationship with him. Well, they don't really seem to, to want him. And that sort of makes sense, right? But here's the crazy making part that I see in myself. And, I, and, and maybe you see this in yourself. That those of us who claim to know Jesus Christ by looking at our heart's desires, we sometimes don't really seem to want him either. Which want his stuff. We just want his stuff. And, and I need to repent of that. How, how can you be a pastor and still struggle with that? Well, I'm holding up Jesus. I'm not holding up myself. We're walking together into healing, into truth. And you need to know I struggle with that. Maybe you do too. I want to give you permission to enter in. Look, um, we need to get out from under the pressure. There's a, if everything you and I do or all the joy that we have or all the peace that we have depends on how hard we work and how much we get what we want, there's a ton of pressure on you. There's a ton of pressure to keep that going. Because if you stop, if you don't, then all your joy and all your peace and all your pleasure, and all, it starts circling the drain. You don't want that. But with Jesus, he not only gives us our heart's desire, he takes that pressure off. How does he do that? Well, he puts his spirit in us so that we can be as free as a feather being carried by the wind, as free as a leaf being carried by the river, regardless of what is happening ever and ever deeper into the relationship that you and I crave, his presence, his love. So we get what we want. But What if in all that freedom, in all that being carried, the circumstances of your life don't get better, but get worse? What if in all of that, things don't get easier, they get harder or more threatening? Can we still, that's the question. Can we still have what we want? Can we still have the joy? Can we still have the love? Can we still have the peace of knowing experientially and by faith, Jesus Christ and his love? that transcends and lifts us up, can we? Well, if that's true, you would expect to see it in people's lives. You would expect to see it in pe- people's lives. So we'll do this and then we'll close and then we'll, 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 we'll do business with God. You'd expect to see it in the dudes in the Bible. Like, look, but think about it, right? Um, let's start there. The guys who wrote and talked the most about joy unspeakable, uh, peace that passes understanding, uh, a life that cannot be contained, uh, a faith that cannot be shaken, this bulletproof, indestructible. These, these guys, they had lives that even to the casual observer had circumstances that absolutely stunk. You and I would never trade places with these guys at all. Hardship, persecution, getting beat up, run out of town, your hair pulled up, sawn in two, everything. And people who discredit Christianity particularly have a hard time with the Apostle Paul, with what happened in his life. Um, Because here's what happened. He had, from an earthly perspective, everything, privilege, riches, position, 
respect. I mean, he had swagger, man. He did not have Jesus. And he came to say, all that stuff without Jesus is poop. That's the word that he used is scubalon, but it's dung, right? And then something happens and he loses all of this stuff that you and I dig and we work for, right? All that position and pride and, and all that stuff. But he has Jesus and he has a life of continual persecution and imprisonment and just getting beat to shreds by, by legions of people. And he says he has everything. Everything. Joy unspeakable. Peace that passes on. How can it? Well, getting closer to home, bringing it closer to today. Next week is the um, prayer for the persecuted church. Because right now there are, um, there are a number of places, Syria, Iraq, North Korea, different places around the globe where um, if you and I do what you and I are doing now, whether you buy this or not, the fact that you're submitting, you're, you're sitting under teaching that exalts Jesus Christ, it, it would go very badly for you very badly for you, and I probably would not be around. Right? So this happens, and there are believers who, for owning a Bible or praying out loud or being seen coming from a church, are taken and beaten and imprisoned. It's not a debate whether this ha- It does. But here's the amazing thing. Story after story after story of these people who've just gotten beaten to shreds and in prison for praising Jesus. Wait for the guard to leave. And they have so much ecstasy. They have so much joy that they do this. They can't contain the joy. Their eyes are swollen shut. Their lips are bleeding. Their teeth are missing. They, they may be jumping on one foot, but they can't keep themselves. Why? Let's bring it closer to home. Eric, just stand up so people can get a look at you. He's a young, handsome man, isn't he? Yeah, sit down. <laughs> Reason I asked Eric to stand up was because my dad was like that. Except he was, he was really big. He was about Eric's age. And um, very athletic, uh, funny. And he would like light up room, right? Articulate. He, he just... He was, a, he was a cool man. Well, when he was Eric's age, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive uh, brain tumor that just is virtually unstoppable. Um, surgery after surgery. We go back and weeks later, it was larger than when they took it out in radiation and chemotherapy and you name it. It's just a bear. And what this kind of tumor would do is devour different sections of your brain. And every time it would take uh, a different section, um, you would lose your ability. So this guy who played college basketball and had a mean jump shot couldn't walk. And this guy who could lift our whole family um, couldn't um, lift his baby daughter, my sister, and this guy who was, you know, just like to see, every, he very, he's almost blind and he couldn't really hear very well. And this last time that we went to the neurosurgeon, they said, uh, you know, we've done scans and we know that uh, his tumor has taken over the speech center 
of his brain. And he gathered my mom and my three sisters and me. And he said, this is a very hard time for the family. Because what he's about to experience, what he's experiencing right now is called aphasia. And those of you in the, in the, in the field know this. He said, but very often um, these patients will just be left with one or two words that they say repeatedly. And because of the stress and because of the strain and because of the frustration they've been through, most often these are profanities. So, so I want you to prepare yourself that, that if that's all he says, again, and he, he does not mean that. My father came out. He was left with two words for the rest of his days on earth, for the last six months of his life. He came out of the neurosurgeon's office and he said, Praise God. Praise God. That's all he could say. And his neurosurgeon, who was an atheist and a dear man, wept because of what he had been through. A tumor growing so aggressively that it is changing the shape of his skull. And now when he's hungry, he says, praise God. And when he's thirsty, he says, praise God, praise God. And when he says he loves you, he says, praise God. And he would sit there in pain that I cannot imagine, in ecstasy, singing praise God to amazing grace in his recliner. Praise God. Praise God. You couldn't wake him up. You couldn't. He was in it. His life sucked. But he had a joy and a peace and a presence that transcended anything that was happening. And, and here's why I share that. Because you and I don't have to wait until everything gets taken away to know we have everything. You and I can walk in that now. Coming closest to home, do you want to? I do. I do. And so that's what's offered to us. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And this, for a lot of people, can be kind of something we do regularly. You know, I, I grew up Catholic, so I did this every week. And, and the danger is for us to, to lose the gravity of it and how much it really means. When we do this, we're eating good bread. We're drinking juice other denominations aren't creeped out by wine but we are um but this symbolizes jesus body broken for us symbolizes jesus blood you can bring those down if you would um shed for us on the cross as our substitute for our sins so that we could be home so that we could be free so that we could be his Look, 
This is Jesus, the God of the universe, saying to you, all I want is you. I want it more than my comfort. I want it more than my standing. I want it more than my reputation. I want it more than my life. I want it more than my blood. I want it, I want it you with me more. And, and so this is the prayer that I offer to you. Um, if you bring that prayer up, all I want is you, Jesus. You say, I can't. I can't really say that. Say it by faith. All I want is you, Jesus. All I want is you. But I want so many other. All I want is you. If you and I will say this from our hearts, not only will we be responding to the God who says in in the elements and on the cross and in the gospel, all I want is you but we'll be hopping off the roller coaster. We'll be getting what we most want. You say, well, that's just not true of me. If, if you and I will do this, when we're at our highs, when we're at our lows, when we're at our in-between, something will happen. He'll begin to shift your heart so that your true delight is, is knowing that he's near, is knowing that he's here, is knowing that he loves you, is knowing that he'll never leave. You will have the unshakable life, but it starts with saying, all I want to want is you. If you're willing to do that, then this meal is for you. I'm not Baptist. I don't care. He doesn't either. Are you his? And if you are, this is for you. And you come and you just come clean before you do. Just, you know, be honest with him. If you haven't ever run into his arms. If you haven't given your life over to him, if you haven't received it, you can. But don't do this before you do that. Make sense? Don't celebrate the thing until you have the thing. And you can do that. I, I can help you. I'm going to sit kind of by myself over on those stairs back there if you, need, um, if you need to talk or pray while we sing. Others of you, just come. Just come. All I want is you. Put that in your heart. Make that the thing that you say a thousand times a day. Your life will never be the same. He guarantees it.